as we are on the streets tomorrow, right, we want to be praying that God and his kingdom will hold back anything of darkness. We don't want any violence at all tomorrow night with our young people, tomorrow night, right? And in that spirit, I always encourage, right, don't be casual about the things of Halloween. Let your costumes reflect things that are fun and good, not anything of evil, uh, right? Let's not play and dance with the devil. Uh, he loves that little foothold. Uh, but yes, we want to engage right into it. In fact, uh, uh, Fedna gave me an idea for my costume this year. Um, last week, he, he, him and Isaiah, his son, six, seven, what is he, six, seven, around that age, was over at the house, and his son saw our wedding picture, Magnized wedding picture. And if you've seen our wedding picture, you will see that uh, I have hair and I have no beard and I look 22 years younger. Maggie looks exactly the same. <laughs> and so when they went home later that day, uh, Isaiah, the six, seven-year-old, said something to the effect of, yeah, Daddy, uh, pa uh, Maggie has, uh, has two boyfriends. <laughs> she has Pastor Chris and that other boyfriend in the picture. So Fedna said, you know, for Halloween, you should just get a wig and tell everybody that you're Maggie's boyfriend. <laughs> so, all right. Well, I read a sad news story this week. Not sad as in death and war, as we obviously have too much of that kind of sad news every week. But sad as in the state of the soul of too many people around us. So... A woman uh, posted on her social media account. She posts regularly, and so one day she posts a picture of her and her husband having coffee. And she says, my favorite time of the day, having coffee with my husband before we go to work in my garden. That post went viral. That post. Now, some of you may be thinking, how could that post go viral? Right? Well, what happened was is random people started posting hate on her page. Saying things like, oh, must be nice, I wake up every morning with chronic pain and no garden to sit in. And the hate just kept coming, the mockery, and the critical posts kept coming. And so then, of course, that brought a whole army of defenders for this lady, and that post went viral. And it became a news story. I don't even have social media, but I read the news, and it was in the news. I sat back and I wondered, why is this such a big deal? What is the spiritual root going on behind this fury? My conclusion is that the spiritual root is a worship of the self. The spiritual root has a life purpose that only has one focus, my happiness. See, when that is your ultimate life purpose, you begin to compare, criticize, brag, boast, complain, See, in this purpose of life, you become and are always the center of attention. So I ask you today, church, what is your ultimate purpose of life for living? I mean, have you done a deep reflection on what you want to be the ultimate purpose of your life, where you're going to channel your best energies and focus? Because, see, if you don't reflect deeply, if you don't ask God, if you don't search the Scripture to give you your ultimate purpose, you are just going to default to society's purpose for you. All the pressures and influences around you will determine and put you on that stream. And that ultimate purpose they'll push you to is you should always be happy. Everything is about you being happy. Now, of course, wanting happiness is a, is a good thing. But ironically, if that is your ultimate purpose, you will never ultimately be happy. 
If you are the ultimate focus of your life purpose, you will be chasing happiness your entire life. The Bible says that our ultimate purpose is to praise God, to delight in God, to desire to see his glory displayed in our lives and in our world, right? This is why we're in a little mini-series on praise and thanksgiving leading up to the holiday of thanksgiving because we want to help realign the purpose of our lives, realign where we are putting our best energies, where we are willing to sacrifice. What, what is it that we are willing to sacrifice for? What I love about biblical praise is that it comes from a place of delight, a place of happiness in who God is, a place of joy of being in the beautiful presence of God. Praise of God arises as we delight in who God is and as we are in awe of who he is. In praise, our eyes are on him and not on ourselves. See, because idolatry, and idolatry is the worship of false gods. Idolatry has always been about the inward gaze. Idolatry begins with looking at ourselves, which then leads to a life of, I'm going to get whatever I want and whatever means. But when we worship God, our eyes turn from inward to outward. Our eyes are fixed on God and who he is. And, we are, and when we are filled up in praise, but it's, it's, it's our gaze is on God. And in that space, that's where we find the deep joy and happiness. So when we look at God, what do we see when we turn our gaze on him? What is the character of God? Well, today we're going to look at a specific aspect of his character, that he is a God of wonders. How God is a God who speaks and does wonders and how there is power in the praise of his people. So if you're able, would you stand to honor the reading of God's word from Psalm 145. Psalm 145, starting in verse 1. I will exalt you, my God, the King. I will praise your name forever and ever. Every day I will praise you and extol your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. His greatness no one can fathom. One generation commends your works to another. They tell of your mighty acts. On the glorious splendor of your majesty and on your wonderful works, I will meditate. They tell of the power of your awesome works, and I will proclaim your great deeds. They celebrate your abundant goodness and joyfully sing of your righteousness. The Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and rich in love. The Lord is good to all. He has compassion on all he has made. All your works praise you, Lord. Your faithful people extol you. They tell of the glory of your kingdom and speak of your might, so that all people may know of your mighty acts and the glorious splendor of your kingdom. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and your dominion endures through all generations. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that, that you have brought us here today. Lord Jesus, thank you that we have healthy bodies today. God, we put all of those who are sick, so many people have called in sick today, and we just say bring healing to, to our brothers and sisters who are sick today, who are in pain. Lord Jesus, let our praise of you just reverberate back into their homes and into their bedrooms as they rest. Come, Lord Jesus, let us hear you speak through your word. This word that was read, we know it is not just words on a screen or a piece of paper. It is your words given to us with your spirit. So open up our hearts. Take away apathy. Take away distraction that we could hear you speak into our soul and change how we live our lives. 
Thank you, Jesus. We pray this in your name. And all God's people said, amen, amen. You can have a seat. The book of Psalms that's basically in the middle of your Bibles is a book of deep, heartfelt prayer and praise. If you want to learn how to pray, meditate on the Psalms. If you want to go deeper in your intimacy with God, meditate on the Psalms. I love in my personal prayer life reading the Psalms over and over. I will wake up in the morning and I will go to the next psalm that's in my Bible and I'll just read it multiple times. And then I love to even read it out loud, just speaking them with all of my heart. If you are listening with your heart as I read, you can hear that these words, they come from the soul. They, they connect our soul to the spirit of the living God. So we, we're going to read these verses again at the end of the teaching as we transition into worship. But for the teaching portion... I'm just going to focus on verse 5. On the glorious splendor of your majesty and on your wonderful works, I will meditate. On the glorious splendor of your majesty and on your wonderful works, I will meditate. I will meditate on your wonderful works. What will happen to your life if you meditate on the wonderful works of God on a daily basis? Wonderful works are beyond our own power to accomplish. They are difficult, extraordinary, marvelous, miraculous, pushing on the limits of what is possible. Wonderful works has to do with the impossible possibilities of God. Somebody say amen to that one. There we go. All right. It's like when God tells Abraham that Sarah will have a baby in her old age and Sarah laughs at the impossibility and then God responds, is anything too wonderful for me? Wonderful, full of wonder. Kevin Garnett, a former NBA basketball player, after he won an NBA championship, in an interview, screams out, nothing is impossible. And that has become one of the slogans of the new human worship in our culture. Kevin and many other celebrities have carried on the nonsensical philosophy that if you put your mind to it, you can accomplish anything. Anything. Just put your mind to it. Kevin would use his story, I came from nothing and I won an NBA championship, as if to say, and so you could do it also. And then you think, well, Kevin, don't you think that, that the fact that you're about seven feet tall and freakishly athletic kind of helped a little bit? I mean, yeah, you had to work. I, I give you that. But that helped a little bit. I mean, if I told you all right now, you know what, the Lakers suck this year, and so I feel like I am going to try out next year, and I'm going to get on the Lakers, and I'm going to win an NBA championship for the city of L.A., because nothing's impossible. And if you said, uh, Pastor, you're 5'9", you're Pastor. You're almost 50 years old, Pastor. And I'd say, nothing is impossible. If I kept saying that, you would want to remove me from being pastor of the church. Because then, <laughs> the mind has gone into ridiculousness. You see, when we worship ourselves, we lose a sense of reality. We start to lose common sense. And we also set ourselves up for great disappointment. When we worship God, we are drawn into His wonders. And our joy grows as we realize we are connected to a wonderful God. I have a lot of limits, 
My wife has a lot of limits. My kids have a lot of limits. But my daddy in heaven has no limits. And he loves me. I'm connected to him. Nothing is impossible for my God. On your wonderful works, I will meditate. The word works is interesting because in the original Hebrew, it is actually the same word for word. So it can be literally translated, on your wonderful words, I will meditate. And it's fascinating because in other places in this psalm, they use the Hebrew word for work. The the normal word for work, right? That that word that just means to do things and to make things happen, right? But here in verse 5, work is actually word. But the interpreters realized what the Hebrew was doing in the context. Listen to this. It's very powerful. God's wondrous works derive from his words. See, God's words produce the wonderful works, right? The wondrous God of our praise is the God who speaks, who is not silent. God spoke ten times in creation, and whenever he spoke, there was wonderful works of creation. Just by speaking, God spoke ten commandments, literally in Hebrew, ten words, to create a people that he would bless, Israel. And then when God became a human, we called him Jesus, the living word of God. Why did we call Jesus the living word of God? Because Jesus made God known to us. But not only through the words of Jesus did we receive clear information about who God is, but through the words of Jesus, we experienced a whole new level of wonderful works. As Jesus spoke, the sick were healed and the dead were raised. As Jesus rose from his own death, his very living words are now given to us so that every day we can be redeemed and healed and made new out of our sin and out of the idolatry of the worship of self. It is his words that draw us into this wonderful work of the transformation of our lives. One of the most wonderful testimonies I've ever heard to illustrate the wonder of God's word was from a pastor named Bekele who lives and ministers in Ethiopia. I have shared this before. His father, named Shenko, was a witch doctor in their village in the country of Ethiopia. And Shenko, he was the witch doctor. He drank a lot. He practiced all this evil spirituality. He would beat his wife and kids often. He would curse people in the town, and, and the curses would happen. Everybody was afraid of this man. One day, two angels showed up from heaven, from God and showed Shenko a vision of heaven and then a vision of hell, and they said, what do you, where do you want to go? And he says, I want to go to heaven. Don't let me go to hell. Angels showed up. That's wonderful works. And so they told Shanko, okay, then in two days, obey what the men that come to your house tell you. And so two days later, two men who had just given their lives to Jesus were praying together, and in prayer, God tells them to go to the house of the witch doctor and to tell them about Jesus. And they obeyed. Probably they were a little nervous going to the house of the witch doctor. They shared about Jesus. And Shanko, the witch doctor, gives up alcohol on that day. He denies demons and he gives his life to Jesus. A couple of days later, after this massive conversion, Shanko goes out to work with the cows, his his own cows. And he finds a Bible lying on the ground. Wondrous works of God. It gets better. He picks it up and he hears a voice say, this is my word. So he goes and sits under a tree and he prays, Jesus, if this is your word, please help me to be able to read it and understand it. If you do, 
I will teach it to everyone I can for the rest of my life. Right there under the tree, without ever going to school, having never touched any other book, Shanko started reading and understanding the Bible. Can you say wonderful works? He then immediately starts, he goes around to the village and tells the entire village that they have to come to his place. Remember, this is just a couple of days after he gives his life to Jesus. The village doesn't know this, but they all show up at his place, over 400 people, because they're afraid. When Shanko says to do something, you do something. And right there in front of the whole village, he gives his testimony, and he starts reading the Bible to people. Hours after hours, the entire village denies demons and comes to Jesus. Bekele, who I'm listening to this story from, was five years old when this happens. His entire childhood, he remembers walking with his dad from village to village in Ethiopia. His dad would read the Bible, heal the sick, cast out demons, and help people deny demons and follow Jesus. Bekele and his siblings, who eventually grew up and went to school, would often try to test their father and give him other books to try and read, and he never could. He said, I don't know, I open other books and it's just dark and nothing, but when I open the Bible, it's all light and I just understand. We worship Jesus for the wonderful work his word does in our lives. Maybe we haven't had as an extreme of an experience as that, but many of us can remember times when the word of God hit us deep in our soul and it produced real change in us. I was just meditating about a month ago in 1 Timothy. I'm just kind of doing my, my daily Bible study, if you will, and I just all of a sudden come across this teaching about how Christians are to take care of their family. And something just changed in my soul and in my mind. I went from sort of reading for head knowledge to all of a sudden knowing that Jesus was speaking a fresh word. It was carrying his power. It was changing my attitude. It was changing my perspective. And I was, it was giving me insight of like how I need to obey when it comes to my blood family. That was the word of God producing a wondrous work in a sinful man like me. See, the Bible is a place where we can experience all kinds of many wonders in our lives. Why do you think it is so hard for you to read it and sink into it? The devil does not want you anywhere near the word of God. He wants you stuck on your phones. He wants you on your TV because when you're in the word of God, you start to deny demons. You start to deny the life that demons want you to live. Or what about those times when someone prays over you? It's often happened right here in our service and gives you a fresh word from God, a picture from God, an encouragement, and it just brings tears to your eyes or it lifts this weight off of your shoulder, right? It just gets into your soul. You all know what I'm talking about. Can I get an amen, right? It moves you because the word of God has power. It always carries his life and his power, his wondrous works. Okay, here's where we bring it home, all right? So God speaks and his words become wondrous works, the God of our praise, the God of wonders, is the God who speaks. And as God's people, we speak. We praise with our words. Our words praise his words and work. Praise is proclamation. Just as preaching is proclamation, when we use our words to praise God in song every week of his wondrous works, our praise brings forth power. Do you see the connection? So on Sunday, as a spiritual family, as a congregation of those who love Jesus, when we gather, we are preaching in song. 
part of the point of praise is that it builds up the faith of others. Because praise is outward. It is speaking, declaring, pouring forth, singing. This outward act leads others in praise. It is not some private act. The point of us gathering, and the Bible commands us to gather, is to praise, right? And, And as we preach to each other through praise, we lead each other into the power of God. We bring forth the power of a very real and present God for others all around us. Catherine, one of the pastors at our West L.A. church, has a seven-year-old daughter, uh, Cara. Cara loves to sing to Jesus. And sometimes when she is into it, she sings at the top of her lungs. She's screaming about singing that to Jesus. Last week, Cara, uh, I mean, Catherine was in a meeting, a work meeting over Zoom. And every time Catherine would unmute to speak, Everybody on the Zoom call could hear her daughter in the background screaming, singing, Jesus is our rock, right? Well, a few months ago, Cara was standing next to Catherine in their Sunday service. Cara never goes to the children's ministry until after the musical worship. And on this day, Cara was just lost in praise of Jesus. The seven-year-old had her hand raised high. She was singing loudly. Catherine said that as she entered into worship, She could just tell she was distracted, her mind was not able to focus, and she starts singing kind of half-heartedly. But as she hears her daughter, she could feel in her soul the Spirit of God starting to well up. She could feel herself just start engaging more in the praise of Jesus because of Kara's praise. Kara's praise led Mama into deeper praise. Kara was proclaiming the goodness of God. Kara was preaching it, and power came forth from Kara that moved mama into deeper praise. Oh, to be free like a child, church. I know sometimes we can feel self-conscious on a Sunday morning. Can people hear me sing? I don't have a great voice. Are people watching me? When I was young, I tried to join a choir. The first day, first song, I get going. I'm in the tenor section. The choir director, who I found out later could hear perfect pitch, he just had a gift, He stops the song and says, someone is not on key. And there's like 65, 70 people in this choir. He goes from section to section, altos, sopranos, you know, gets, and then has them stop, gets the tenors, and he's just kind of coming in, gets it, it's you. I was like, that was it. I was cut from the choir. (laughs) In my young days of being a pastor in this similar era of my life, once after service, The worship leader, not my wife, uh, the worship leader came up to me and said, hey, pastor, great word. Can you do me a favor, though? You know, when in the response time, when you're up there and you're waiting to pray for people, can you not sing next to me because you're throwing it off for me? (laughs) I was like, whoo. Those are a little blows to the ego, okay, just a little blows to the ego. If anyone is to be self-conscious about singing, it's me. I've been called out twice. In my life. Now, my wife has been a great help to me. She's helped me a little bit with my singing. But here's the deal, church. I don't want to worship myself. I don't want to end my life looking back and having regret that I was a slave to my insecurities. I don't want to be obsessed with myself. I don't want to look back over my life and just go, dang it, I didn't quite get it because I was a puppet to people. Right? I want to be obsessed with God. I want to preach about the greatness of God in song. 
so that we can all experience the power and the presence of God. There is power in praise. See, when, I, when, we, when that worship team gets going, I close my eyes so that I could just focus on Jesus. And I focus on his goodness, right? I feel, I, I don't look at anybody around the room. I feel the praise of the brothers and sisters that are around me. And it begins to take my dead heart and make it come alive again. It begins to take a little bit of my frustration from whatever happened yesterday and melt it. And I realize God is good. He's in this place. He's got me, right? See, if you ever come in and you are scattered brain and, and you're kind of looking around as people are worshiping, if you see just one person lost in the worship of Jesus, that is your sign that the spirit of Jesus is in the room. Not No one human being can genuinely worship Jesus unless the spirit of Jesus is there. We are wired to worship ourselves. So when a human being is giving themselves in worship of God, that means God is in them. And that means he's in the room and you see one person, what you need to do is just go, God's here, let me get some of God. Let's go, right? Close your eyes and just say, God, you are my good king. And when my good king walks in the room, I stop everything. Everything else is irrelevant. You are the center of my focus right now. Come on and come and give me a renewed heart and a renewed mind. Take my stress. Take my fatigue. Take my little disappointments. Take my distractions. Take my insecurities and fill my soul with wonder of you. See, the more of us that step out and be preachers in song, the more power will fill this room. Our life purpose is not to be a slave to our insecurities or other people. Our life goal is to be liberated, joyful children of our good and awesome daddy. Right? We were at a quinceanera last night. It was uh, Angeline's quinceanera. It was awesome. I mean, they brought in an eight-foot robot guy who lit it up and lighting. Everybody was going nuts with lights around the party, you know what I mean? And then the banda came, and it was nuts, you know? And I'm watching all these people drunk off their minds, just going crazy. Hands in the air, jumping around, right, going crazy. And I think the people of God are to show the world what it means to be completely liberated and uninhibited in the spirit of God. That is our gift to the world. If you have a good father and someone tries to mock your father, you're going to speak up. And you're going to drown out their words with words of praise of your father. Right? So many people in this city mock our good father. They disregard him. Some even spit in his face. So when the family gets together and the music starts up, we, in unison, we lift our praises of our Father in heaven. We set the record straight. We clean out the spiritual atmosphere in our city so that the power of God can be unleashed into our city. We bring truth and praise into our city. We don't shrink back. We press forward into Jesus together. So let's lift our hands. Sing at the top of our lungs. Tap into the power of our praise. Don't just leave it to the worship team. We all lead each other in praise. Praise is powerful because it calls forth God's power, the power to do wondrous works, the power for resurrection life, for new creation. See, when praise is silenced, God seems weak, powerless, and uncaring. And we don't see a future where wondrous works are possible. 
But Psalm 145 praises God who is a God of wonders. A God who, these are the words it uses. Great, mighty, glorious, abundantly good, righteous, gracious, compassionate, slow to anger, abounding in unfailing love. So praise, it's calling out God's identity. And it is only when we know who God is that we know who we are. Our identity as his people. In this psalm, the two overarching categories of who God is seems to be great and good, right? So he's mighty, glorious, wonderful. That's all great. But then his goodness is in his righteousness, compassion, slowness to anger, right? And that goodness is always towards us. So our identity as his people means God's grace and compassion and loyal love are toward us. But when praise is silenced, We start to think that God is not good, that he doesn't love. And things happen to us, and we ask, well, why would God do this to me? And we forget that not not all works in this world are God's works. The brokenness and evil in this world is not God's work. And when we fail to proclaim that God is king and that he ultimately reigns, we start thinking that the powers of the world and of evil actually reigns. And when those seasons of hardship and tragedy come, it's the praise of others that carry us. Because we're always in a different season. And some seasons make it hard to praise. There's a cycle of lament, plea, uh, hope for praise, and then an actual praise. And you see those cycles in all the psalms. Psalms of mourning and crying out in pain to God. All the way to songs of hope and asking for help. And then psalms of praise, right? It's easier to praise when, when, when we're in a season when everything is well. But praise can also transform pain, right? And at the same time, the pain keeps praise honest and real. Those who rejoice listen to those who lament, and those who lament listen to those who praise. There's a sharing in the seasons that give authenticity and power to praise because we don't praise blindly. I'm going to bring the worship team up. We're going to enter into praise. Um, You know, Maggie and I, we had so much fun when our good friends Stanley and Amafri were here with us for a week, and many of us got to enjoy them, our pastors that are in the Dominican Republic. And every time I'm around Stanley, I often ask him to tell me more about his mother. You got to hear a little bit about his mother uh, when, he, when he spoke. Her life inspires me to be in awe of Jesus. His mother, for those of you who didn't know, grew up in Haiti in an incredibly poor family, so poor that her parents gave her to another family so that she wouldn't die. This family told her family they would provide for her, but they turned her into the house slave. They beat her, made her do all the hardest work. Some of the men of the family raped her multiple times. She grows into adulthood and finally gets out of this family, but she's obviously bitter and angry. And then some Christians told her about Jesus. They told her Jesus has power to heal her from abuse. Utterly caught up in the goodness of Jesus, She surrenders her life to Jesus, and she starts experiencing this healing of all the pain, and the joy begins to fill her heart, and as as the years went on, she just starts praising God more and more and more. Eventually, the depth of her praise of Jesus compels her to go back to the family that abused her, and she forgives them, and she tells them that the love of Jesus is more powerful than the pain that they put on her life, and she tells them to give their lives to Jesus Stanley has memories of growing up as a child 
with his mother constantly singing praises to Jesus. He said sometimes there was so little food to eat that for a couple days they'd only have this like cornmeal kind of substance. And the neighborhood kids who didn't even have that would hover around the house. And when it was time to eat, Stanley's mother would, would give her kids something and then give the neighborhood kids something. And Stanley remembers complaining like, I want more food, Mommy. And, and Mommy would say, no, no. Because he would say, why are you giving it to the neighborhood kids? And the mom would say, no, God is a great provider. And he provides enough for us and for all the other kids that come to this house. And Stanley was raised up in praise of God. She would worship so much that at the end of her life, she had this horrible stroke and she's unable to speak. She can't move. She could move her mouth a little to kind of form words. And then she only one hand and arm could she lift up. And the family would take turns just worshiping Jesus with her. And every time they could really come into her bedroom and she would just light up as they would just sing and praise God in song. As they could see, Stanley said, the power of God just resting on her broken body. And, and Stanley said he was there in her very last breath. And in her last breath, he was worshiping Jesus and she raises her hand and she mouths uh, the things that they're singing and then she just takes her last breath in that place of worship. Oh, to go out in worship and praise of Jesus. Oh, that is the purpose of life, to be so happy in God. So would you stand with me, church? If you are able, and let's proclaim the greatness of God through worship. Hear the, the scripture again. I will exalt you, my God and my King. I will praise your name forever and ever. Every day I will praise you and extol your name. Great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. His greatness no one can fathom. Come, Lord Jesus, and fill our hearts with praise. You are so good.